This is episode one of the Smile Revolution podcast. I, I love I love that. So, you know, when I get um, patients who they're going to see the periodontist and they come in and they have their pre-RSD hygiene with me um, and all it is is talking about oral hygiene and bespoke for them and all the rest of it. And we go through the whole appointment and then I get them back to review them before they go in to see the periodontist for RSD or whatever. And, um, you know, they've had a 85% plaque score and 70% bleeding. And then they come in and they're down to my magic numbers 15 10 to 15 percent and they come in and they're like 15 percent or they're less than that and they're like oh my god my mouth feels amazing and we're just like high-fiving in the surgery you know because but they've understood it and they all say but no one ever explained it this way before and that's the bit that's important and I feel so sad that so many hygienists aren't getting the opportunity to do that and there's a lot of you know in a lot of practices they're not looking at the oral hygiene as a key and it is a key to everything because once the patients get that they're in control then they understand more don't they hello and thank you for downloading small revolution in association with dense plycerona a podcast dedicated to oral health promotion supporting career development for dental hygienists and dental therapists I'm Victoria Wilson, a dental therapist, and I am so excited to bring to you poignant conversations with dental professionals who have made an impact on my career. And thanks to their transparency, we will endeavour to learn more about the choices they have made and the impact this has had professionally and personally. Through listening to the Smile Revolution podcast, I hope you gain inspiration and ideas for furthering your career path, supporting oral health promotion and enhancing smiles across the world. I am delighted to introduce our sponsor, Dense Blycerona, who are committed to providing clinically proven and innovative solutions continuing professional education and patient self-care support to help promote a lifetime of oral health around the world. Find out more at densplicerona.com forward slash revolution. My next guest is Karen Walker, a dental hygienist from Nottingham. I am so excited to have Karen onto the show as she is a huge inspiration behind the Smile Revolution podcast. And when you listen to the show, you will really understand why. Karen qualified in 1994 from Edinburgh, then moved to Nottingham as there were no jobs in Edinburgh. Over the years, she has worked in a variety of practices, including NHS practices at the beginning of her career with 10 and 15 minute scale and polish appointments. Knowing this was not sustainable, she rapidly changed to build where she is in her career today, a fully empowered dental hygienist working at the Campbell Clinic in Nottingham. On today's show, Karen talks about the importance of bespoke oral hygiene appointments and how this has impacted her patients and her fulfilment within her career and what she has learned through doing this. 
This podcast recording is for all dental hygienists and dental therapists that wish to gain an insight in how to obtain an optimal way of working in practice to best serve your patients and you. You are guaranteed to be inspired by listening to this podcast and make a dream of having more time to focus on oral hygiene a reality. She talks about how she has developed this structure of her appointments and how to incorporate this into your practice. She talks about the simple steps to start with first to change the structure of appointments to best serve you and your patients. Karen also speaks about why the term scale and polish should be challenged and why other terms should be used throughout the team to describe hygiene treatment. I know you will be inspired to make changes after listening to this podcast. Good evening, Karen. Good evening, Victoria. (laughs) How are you this evening? I'm very well, thank you. A little bit tired, but very well. (laughs) Well, I am so grateful for you agreeing to be interviewed at nearly 9pm on a Monday evening after an extremely busy day at work. Because, yeah. yeah, this is the time we could find that we could both chat on on WhatsApp and record this podcast. So thank you very much. Well, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure. I just hope it's worth it. <laughs> of course. So Karen and myself met um, at a Dent Supply Serona Piersney meeting. They, they informed us that they were forming this peers group. And we were invited to join. That's and that right. was over a year ago now, wasn't it? Mm, is it not a bit longer than that, I think? Yeah, probably. Yeah, mm. I think it is over over a year ago. Might be two years, Victoria, I think. Where's the time gone? Where is the time gone? And I have to say, Karen, since I met you, you'd already started, I believe, the smart scaling courses and empowering the hygienist. That's right. Which is really essentially what this podcast is all about, supporting career development for hygienists and therapists. So you honestly couldn't be a better hygienist to interview for this podcast. (laughs) So I'm so happy. And and partly the the podcast has been inspired through your work, you know, well, hugely through your work of empowering the hygienist. So... This is the crux of what the Smart Revolution podcast is about, supporting career development for hygienists and therapists. Maybe for some hygienists and therapists out there that aren't necessarily that empowered, you know, how can we Mm. feel fulfilled? And I think you are the perfect example of getting to that point in your career where you are fulfilled and you, and I think a huge part of that is by you really working towards the right systems Mm -hmm. and putting them in place. Yeah. For where you are at today. Absolutely. So, Karen, can you please tell me, where do you currently work? <gasps> okay, I currently work in um, a practice, a specialist practice in Nottingham called the Campbell Clinic. And I work for a guy called Colin Campbell, but we've got um, implants, um, restorative, uh, endo and perio specialists. So yeah, there's a lot going on. And honestly, from when we first met and from learning about what you've done, you really seem to have the right systems in place. And 
how did that start? How did you develop them in your current practice? Okay. Um, a lot of it, um, I've got a brilliant boss that I can talk to, so that has really helped. Um, but a lot about a lot of me just going and, and talking to everyone that I work with and see, you know, trying to let get them to understand how I worked and what I wanted to to get out of the patients, how I wanted to work with the patients um, and and seeing where they were at and everything working together and, and coming together as a team more than anything. That's really, really what it's about is teamwork, I think. And I know that in some practices, some hygienists find that very, very difficult. And that is one of the things that I wanted to address on our empowering courses because I know that a lot of hygienists aren't as lucky as me and have a boss that will chat away and help to make these systems so yeah we've got so much to talk about (laughs) okay (laughs) so you moved to the Campbell practice now yes when was that again um that was 10 years ago 10 years ago I started working there yeah and basically it was just first of all it started it was a Monday morning um that well it was a Monday but they only had a book for a Monday morning pretty much and it was quite quiet and then it rapidly just the way that I work with patients it rapidly increased and really now um we're at full-time capacity with hygiene service and we need more I need more hygienists helping me. Oh, so, take yeah. note, everyone listening. <laughs> yes, yes, honestly. And when you first started there, were you still working in other practices? I was. Um, I worked in, well, I had just been finishing working in an NHS practice, but I worked in another um, private practice. It was a very small practice with an amazing female dentist. And she was just, uh, her work was amazing. And I loved working for her. Um, but she decided to give it all up. I know, sadly, she gave it all up. And um, so I, I then took on working full time at the, at the Campbell Clinic. So yeah, so that's where I only work now. I don't work anywhere else. And did you, at what point in your career, because you've been working since 1994 as a hygienist (laughs) and I know from our conversation just previously a few minutes ago I learned a few more things you Mm. were working when you first qualified for 10-15 minute appointments yeah at what point in your career did you realize that you couldn't do that anymore and you had to change or what was that turning point? Uh, I probably realised it within about uh, eight to nine months of the first year <laughs> that this was not sustainable. Um, however, it took me a long time to get to the point where I could find something that was right. And I think that was just because I thought at first it was about me changing job all the time. And so I did. I moved into lots of different practices. I worked in loads of practices around Nottingham. And I thought that's what it was, but it wasn't that. That's not how you change things. You have to change things in the practice that you're in and set the right systems, not just go from one job to another, because I just would go from one job to exactly the same again in another job. So yeah. And I think that's actually a really relevant point that you've just brought up now, because mm-hmm. I did the same when I first qualified. I was locuming lots and yeah. trying to find what I wanted in practice or it wasn't quite yeah. right. So maybe I'd find it in the in the next practice. But then I didn't. Yeah. 
And I'm sure a lot of newly qualified listening and mm. experienced hygienists and therapists probably have experienced something very similar. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So you then realised exactly as you said that you had to start working with the practice you were in to develop things rather than keep searching for what you wanted. Uh-huh. Yep, exactly. And But I think that sometimes that can be hard as well because it all depends on how well you get on with the team. Absolutely. And by the team, I don't mean going out on a Friday night with the dental nurses. And I mean, like, you know, the bigger picture, it's all the clinicians, isn't it? And you have to get them on board. And sometimes that can be really hard. And I think when you are a hygienist and you're a little bit lonely and you're stuck in a surgery on your own, you don't get that interaction with the other clinicians. It's really, really difficult. How did you go about working with the team, not going out on a Friday night with the dental <laughs> you know, getting them on board? Because probably at the time, because I really feel, Karen, you've like start you you you've been instrumental in setting the framework for, you know, an mm-hmm. ideal way for hygienists to work. How did you go on about that initially when probably it wasn't really the way of hygiene, other hygienists mm. practicing at the time. It was I know. a bold step. Yeah, definitely. Well, I tried little steps and um, some of the NHS practices that I was in. Um, and there were little things that people took on board, but not massively. I think I was really lucky when I worked for the, the female dentist that I, I worked for. She said, I met with her and she said, okay, so how do you want your service to run? And I was like, well, that's what I like. My service. This is how my service that's is going to be run. Exactly. And so, and that's what it is. It is our service for our patients. And so um, I started with her and I told her, you know, I'm not having any of these 20 minute appointments or anything like that. It's not just about having all the right instruments. It's about having the right time for the patient. Oral hygiene aids. I'm huge on OH, huge. And it's all that sort of stuff, you know. So I started, um, I, I, I spoke to her about all that. And then obviously going into work for um, Colin Campbell at the Campbell Clinic. He's given me pretty much free reign to develop um, the whole service, you know, like length of appointments that are required, how we interact with all the other specialists when they refer to us um, and everything like that. So, yeah, I think what I think is the most important bit for anyone who's listening is to start with small steps. Okay, because you can't just go in and demand everything. They're just not going to listen to you. But I think if you do little baby steps that makes your life a little bit easier and you reap the rewards, the patients reap the rewards, the other clinicians seeing how well you're doing, how good your service is, then you can add on another little bit and then add on another little bit and you build it up until you have this phenomenal service that everyone's just going, wow. (laughs) And you're really happy yes. in your career still now today. And that is the main thing. And that's what's so really inspirational about what you what you do and the way that you work. Yeah. So yeah. for listeners listening, like you've just said, you can't do it all. You've got to start with incremental steps. From your experience, what would you say would be a sensible place to start or a sensible thing to change? What would be a good starting point for hygienists uh-huh. on... 30 minute appointments now. Okay. So I, I personally think that patients benefit this. This is, this is quite controversial, actually, but I think patients benefit more from us giving them good, thorough, 
oral hygiene advice that is bespoke to them that they can take home and implement and then that has a massive impact on their um on their oral health but on their general well-being as well and then that has a massive impact on um you know the other clinicians that they see and other work that they require so i would I always on the courses I always say to people, um, it's not really if you it's not really about the scale and you know if you're looking at the time and you're thinking oh my god it's about giving the patient that bespoke that bespoke oral hygiene all that education definitely for them and if you then what happens is the patient then goes to see the dentist and the dentist is like oh oh wow your teeth are looking a lot cleaner at this checkup uh, yeah because the hygienist taught me how to clean my teeth properly she showed me exactly what brushes to use in every single gap and it's so rewarding that's where it starts so I would always start there not going to your dentist and saying can I have the all singing all dancing um ultrasonic air scaling do you see what I'm saying start with those small steps first a hundred percent Karen <laughs> and but that's also where the evidence is that's what we need to be doing exactly but, I know listeners out there are saying, but my patients aren't going to be okay with coming to me and me only talking to them about oral mm. hygiene instruction. So this is a big challenge and an yeah. obstacle that I know lots of colleagues face. Mm. How would you How say you overcoming that? that? How do you overcome okay. that? So what I say to my patients is, um, and I am um, our we're in one of the most expensive practices in the country and um, the patients pay a lot of money and I will see patients for entirely a 30 minute appointment and all it is is oral hygiene instruction and they're paying um, £111 for that okay and it's bespoke to them so what I would say as I always say to the patients is I'm here to, um, the most important part of my job is oral health screening, okay, so all my plaques scoring, my bleeding indices, um, pet, you know, pocket charting, etc. Um, that's part of my job. The most important part of my job is oral hygiene instruction and the bit that I do a little bit of cleaning for you that isn't the important bit because the important bit is what you do at home and it's changing the mindset of the patients and it's easy because you're we're professionals and we just have to you have to use the right words to explain it to them that's the most important bit and and to be honest Victoria I really don't think I have I think I've had one person complain in the past 10 years about having to pay that amount of money when all she did was show me some brushes. Um, you have to find the right words. And, and that's something that I will say to newly qualified people out there. It takes a while to find the right words. It takes experience to find the right words. You have to see patients repeatedly. You have to see every kind of patient before you find the right words. And then you get a little patter and a flow. And it's, it's convincing, it's backed by all the evidence that we know, but it's there, you know, and the patients, they grasp that because we are professionals at the end of the day. They, 
why why wouldn't they believe that we're there for them? And the second part of that is obviously having your other clinicians on board and believing in you and what you can do. So from that that point, you have to sit down, you know, with the clinicians that you work with and say, okay, you know, it's all about the oral hygiene. We need to incorporate this into the um, the, the appointments. So from now on, I'm going to do spend ten minutes on that and an appointment, and the patients will have a gross scale so don't be coming back to me saying oh you've missed a piece of subgingival calculus there dull you know that kind of thing so I think those little steps does that make sense oh that totally makes sense <laughs> and I just yeah no, and I think you've just you you've point you've come you've brought to to like so many important points in what you've just said you know and like you said one thing I'd just like to go into in a bit more depth it's best spoke and yes. like you said yeah. you know it's the experience of seeing many different patients and of course you would talk to each person who comes in differently depending uh, yeah. on what they are like yes um but you believing and you knowing and you having confidence in saying mm. to them that yes. their oral hygiene is the most important point they then i guess really understand because you put such a value on that now can I just ask you like you said as well it's the rest of the team being on board with what you're saying Mm -hmm. yeah you know do reception or in your literature is there anything around what you're doing supporting what you're doing so that they are pre pre um not warned that's not necessary yeah I know but, what you, you know mean. pre-advised they understand yes. on maybe the procedure that is going mm-hmm. to take place in the pra- in your hygiene yeah. room when they first see you yeah yeah definitely um I mean I think well we're actually in the middle of redoing our website but um a, a long time ago and I think it's still used as I had written something that was called what happens at my hygienist appointment and it was mainly about um all the screening that I do and the oral hygiene and then there was a little bit about um debridement of the mouth and a prophy if appropriate um, but it was all focused on the on the screening and the oral hygiene. Um, and then also um, in our letters that go out to patients, patients who are having big treatment plans, um, it always says about the hygienist. Um, it doesn't go into depth about what she's going to do, but it says that um, it's all uh, bespoke for that patient. You know, so what we're trying to do is to get the patients understand. And I think a lot of hygienists need to take that on board is that you do have to it's not just a a, a yellow tp for everyone and I think that's what happens in an environment where you really don't have any time and you're just thinking oh my god I need to show them something um but that is such an important bit that we need to get right the bespoke thing and telling the patients that's bespoke to them they really grasp that you know because they're like oh you know she's really interested in me um for instance I print off um, a chart of their mouths. So teeth, it's on our, it was on R4, you know, little teeth. And, and then I get my nurses to write in the ID space, so to speak, what colour of brush goes where. Okay, so and I give it to the patient so they understand their mouth and what colour of brush goes where. That's bespoke for them. No one else can use that. 
Yeah, so that's that such a really helpful well. tip. Yeah, I've never done that, Karen. That's yeah, brilliant. it's really good. And also, you can laminate them as well. And also, what I do is I keep a copy on my records, so we scan it into the notes. So when the patient says, "No, you didn't tell me to use a purple flexi brush," like, oh yeah, I did. It's all here. <laughs> Charlotte Sayal, Clinical Affairs Manager for the East Region at Densply Serona. So, you've spent all that time and money investing in a shiny new piece of equipment, but isn't it so often the case that regular maintenance becomes an afterthought? At Densply Serona, we know this can impact procedure efficiency, patient comfort, and even your bottom line. This is why we offer a free 23-point health check on your Cavitron ultrasonic scaling units. To book your free Cavitron health check, please visit www.densepliserona.com forward slash Cavitron check. And you know, (laughs) that's great because you've got it documented. And like you're saying, like, in a normal hygiene appointment, maybe, you know, the patients are expecting, they're coming in for scaling. Mm. And like you said, they, hygienists feel pressured that they need to show them the right TP, but it's not as bespoke as it would be ideally no. created for Exactly. Them. And this whole scale and polish thing. Now, this is something that I've spoken about before on my empowerment courses. Also, when at the BSDHT last year, I tried to I tried to get this over this skills scl and pol skill and poll what is that what actually is that can we put that in the bin because there is no such thing it is pure <laughs> i'm rubbish. with you on that one all the way. in the bin skill where did it poll. come from where did it come from it's terrible so i correct my patients and i always you know and i say to them um, i'm carrying a, a full mouth debridement and i write that on my notes and um we'll probably polish off a few of the stains just to make you look a little bit brighter you know but it's not about that i'm cleaning under the gums that's what I'm doing. I'm getting rid of any deposits that are under the gum. I explain to them about bacteria, bad bacteria, good bacteria. Um, you know, it's just, where did that, and that's what's bad. And then the dentists who say, uh, oh, just go and see the hygienist for a scale and pull. So for those hygienists that that's happening to, and I know that's a lot, we need to get into those clinicians and we need to say, okay, those words are banished now. Um, think of other names for your treatment, hygiene maintenance, implant maintenance, pre-surgery, RSD, things like that. You know, that's what we need, not skill and Paul. Sorry, Donna, I'm going off on a tangent no, now. But- I am so on board with this, beyond belief. And it's done us such an injustice. Massive, um, We massive. are facing this obstacle to overcome mm-hmm. this scale and polish because this is exactly what the public are, their, their expectations, their because expectation they know is. it. And they can relate to it and they've heard it again and again and they hear it from multiple clinicians. Yep. Mm -hmm. And they think that is what a hygienist does. They think that's it, a scale and polish. They don't understand the rest of it. And so we have got so much work to do to re-educate everybody. (sighs) 
So listeners, you can start with this banishing scale and polish in yeah. your surgery. Yeah, definitely. Tell everyone it doesn't exist anymore. A wee anymore. campaign. Exactly. Let's start that. And then, then we can get rid of that. And then we'll be halfway there, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. Now, can I ask you, for your patients that mm-hmm. come in, you know, and as passionate as you are and however much you believe in what you're doing and that is naturally contagious yeah but we can't deny there are some patients that really it's not their priority yeah. no. and you know as much as and and they're time poor and mm-hmm. maybe they don't have time to keep coming back how do you get through to these patients Karen mm, yeah they're the tricky ones aren't they um I have a, a reputation for being um quite tough um, quite thorough, uh, you know what that means. Um, and um, what I tend to do is I use humour a lot with these patients who are really tricky. I really do. I start, I start having a little bit of banter. <laughs> yeah, you have a little bit of banter with yeah. them, you know. Yeah. And so I say to them, okay, so you telling me that you have got no time to use these interdental brushes? Um, no, I'm too tired when I go to bed. I don't have time in the morning. I'm like, okay. So do you sit down after your dinner, put your feet on, up on front of the TV? Yeah, watch Coronation Street. Okay, we'll get your brushes out then. I'm like, I don't care when you do it as long as you have done it once. Okay, convention says we should do it in the morning and at the end of the day. But no, it just do it when it fits into your routine. And then they'll look at me and they're like, Ah, okay, I'll try that. So I'm like, right, next three months, that's what you're going to do. Every time you sit down and you watch Coronation Street or whatever, you're going to get your little brushes out, you're going to do it then. And so it's just a little step and it fits into their lifestyle. I think something that we have to be careful, and certainly when I was first qualified, um, I think I tried to be you will do this, you will do this, and you will do it at that time. And Hell, show sure do. Work. Yeah, it just doesn't work. You have to fit in with the patient. Um, and I find that that helps. I've got people who have them in their cars, you know, or in their, their lorries or whatever, you know, their ID brushing. As long as they do it. Exactly. Yeah, do it. <laughs> and the whole, like education and you know it's not it's working with them isn't it we're in alignment we're not superior to anyone else by teaching them we're on they are the and we and what we're doing is we're giving them education for them so we need to find where that education fits into their lifestyle and all we want them to do is to do it I don't care if it's at three o'clock in the morning do you know what I mean or in front of the telly whatever they're comfortable with and if a patient is comfortable with his little or hers little scenario then they're actually going to do it they will do it so yeah that's and the result is Karen your patients get the results. Exactly. You, how does that make you feel? Come on, I can. Yes. You know. I I I love I love that. So you know when I get um patients who they're going to see the periodontist and they come in and they have their pre RSD hygiene with me, um and all it is is talking about oral hygiene and bespoke for them and all the rest of it, and we go through the whole appointment and then I get them back to review them before they go in to see the periodontist for RSD or whatever, and um you know they've had a eighty five percent plaque score 
more than 70% bleeding. And then they come in and they're down to, my magic number's 15, 10 to 15%. And they come in and they're like 15% or they're less than that. And they're like, oh my God, my mouth feels amazing. And we're just like high-fiving in the surgery, you know, because, but they've understood it. And they all say, but no one ever explained it this way before. And that's the bit that's important. And I feel so sad that so many hygienists aren't getting the opportunity to do that. And there's a lot of, you know, in a lot of practices, they're not looking at the oral hygiene as a key. And it is a key to everything. Because once the patients get that, they're in control then. They understand more, don't they? And, so, yeah. and a lot of the frustration we know lies within clinicians, maybe not for feeling fulfilled within their career, because mm-hmm. an underlying frustration of, you know, patients that maybe are not so content with their oral health because they've not achieved what they maybe would mm-hmm. like to achieve. And then there is an underlying frustration and, you know despondency maybe amongst you as a professional and exactly this is the whole point and this is why I wanted to Mm -hmm. focus so much on this with you Karen because you've really strived to push boundaries to go against the norm the conventional for based on the evidence and based Mm -hmm. on what the patients really need and 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 look at the results so Mm -hmm. just going back now we know you uh, from our conversation we've been speaking a lot about oral hygiene this is the crux of everything focusing on that with the patient how does your overall structure work around this with appointments um so uh you mean if I have a patient in to see me how do I structure the appointments or yeah especially like a new patient for instance let's say for a new patient yeah. So the first thing that um, with a new patient I would do, obviously check the medical history, uh, <laughs> of course, and then um, do all my screening, plaque scoring, um, bleeding scoring. I am so lucky that I have a nurse and I know that there's a lot of hygienists out there who don't have a nurse. And I think it's absolutely disgusting that they don't have a nurse because how, how, how on earth can we do all these all this screening on our own and I think that and that's gone off on another tangent and maybe something for another day but I think that we need to have um we need to have nurses I think that's the end of it really and I think that basically hygienists shouldn't accept jobs without nurses and that's quite a big thing to say because everyone needs a job and I know because I worked without a nurse but now I would just never do that anyway that's a whole other tangent so we'll talk about that another day but another um, podcast coming soon (laughs) yeah I um so I would structure the appointment would be all the screening first of all so I tell the patients I'm going to carry out some oral health assessments I'm not looking at your teeth per se I'm looking at your gums and the health of them and we've got to do a plaque score we're going to start off with that and bleeding and then um the results of the plaque score I explain it to them um I tell them what their score is I tell them um what areas they're missing and that we're going to look into it. Are you using electric toothbrush? Are you using ID brushes? No, nope, we're going to we're going to focus on that in a minute. But the next thing I have to do is a gum health score because that gives me the indication as to how far the inflammation's gone. Um, so then we do the BPD. Like sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I do yeah. want to interrupt and point out one thing that you've said that's just so poignant is that it's a gum health score. Yes. And the way you're looking at it, you're looking at the positive. Yes. It's health. We're looking for yes. health. Yes, 
That's what I always Not a bleeding yeah. score. No, yeah, exactly. And um, because I always say to them, um, I'm doing a plaque score. That's to see how how good your home care is. And I want to see um, what areas you could be missing. So there's a positive at the start. And then obviously when I'm doing a plaque score, I call out the bleeding at the same time. And then what I'll say to the patient is, okay, so your, your plaque scores come out at 55%. That's really too high. We need it to be between 10 and 15%. Okay, preferably. I'd like it under 10%, okay, or something along those lines, I say to them. And um, and I say to them, but because of the high amount of plaque that is, we also have bleeding inflammation caused by the plaque. So I say to the patient, have you ever heard of bacteria? Some of them say yes, some of them say no. And I say, so we have bacteria in our mouth just like we do on our skin. And I do, I, I show them my skin. <laughs> I don't know why I do that, but I do. Um, and I say, okay, so if we, in the mouth, there's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria. And if we aren't efficient enough with our, our, our cleaning, our home care, then the bad bacteria tip the balance and start to cause inflammation in the gums. And then the gums start to peel away from the side of the teeth and we get what's formed as little pockets. And then the plaque goes down underneath the gum and you can't get it out. That causes a lot of inflammation and destruction to the bone. And then at that point, I'll often say to them, so when I was doing those little, um, I'm going to do these little measurements or sometimes it's after that. Usually after that, I explain to them about the measurements and I'll say to them that I use a little probe and then zero to three is health and that anything over that we have a problem with inflammation so I think it's keeping it simple okay very very simple explanation but you need to explain it now I've had patients who have then gone and said oh well what kind of bacteria and then I've had to I've had to explain a little bit more but you gauge your patient don't you some of them want a little bit more information can I ask you at this point how long would that have all taken till now oh that takes about 15 minutes yeah all of that takes about 15 minutes and then I was like oh and now because you've got some code fours and a code four means that we've got quite extensive gum disease and I'm going to have to do a six point pocket chart well we all know how long a six point pocket chart takes okay so so then if this is a scenario where there's a patient like that with code fours then I will say to them okay we're going to have to do a lot of treatment on you. You're going to have to come back and see me a few times. But the first thing we need to do is to get your home care sorted. That's the most important bit. And that's where we're going to start today. And that's so, the key in what you've just said there. Yeah, I will not lift any scalars. I will not lift any instruments because from those results, I will then go straight into OH and it will be bespoke for them with their little chart. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then I would obviously get them back um, and, and, and commence ultrasonic debridement. Um, but usually, by, well, apart from in code 4s, obviously, but usually with code 3s, you'll find that you've got resolution in a lot of the tissues, apart from if there's overhanging amalgams, etc. But, you know, you, you know my drift. You know where I'm coming yeah. from. And yeah. how, what are your general um, first appointments for actual debridement? How long are they? Or are they very bespoke? Yeah, they would be varied. So I would look at the patient and I would think, um, it's interesting, isn't it? As you have worked longer and you're more experienced and you can work out your patient and what they're capable of, and also myself and what I'm capable of on a patient. Um, So I could maybe do, um, I might look at someone and think, okay, I can do two hour long RSDs on you, right hand side, left hand side. Okay, or maybe you're only going to cope with a quadrant at a time. You know, you have to 
Now, this is something that's really huge, actually, and this should be a whole other podcast is treatment planning. Coming soon. Yeah, that's massive. And I think as well that certainly I was never taught, really taught treatment planning as a hygienist. And you need to because we need to make these decisions super fast. In that instant, we have all this information, this screening information, and then we have to make this decision about what we're going to do first, okay? And I think a lot of hygienists get caught up in, oh my God, I need to clean all this out. I need to clean all this out. And they shouldn't, they should start with oral hygiene, okay? But yeah, treatment planning. We will come on to this because this is obviously a very important topic and it and it's mm-hmm. something that maybe we don't have the confidence in, certainly when we come out of yeah. dental school. Yeah. And it's only years of experience that obviously exactly. equips you with knowing as well, again, what's right for a patient. And the treatment plan yeah. varies so much exactly. from even the similar clinical findings because of the mm-hmm. patient and always taking them into mm-hmm. consideration. So, yeah. Harry, and ourselves and our capabilities as well when we're treating a patient because there's some that are so much more difficult than others. It's so true. Now, Karen, we've covered only we've covered massives, massive oral hygiene, massive amount only on oral hygiene, (laughs) and I think that's just the example of how valuable this part Mm. of treatment is for us to achieve results. And going back to the the podcast, the the reason for the podcast, empowering you as a clinician, and why this is so valuable. So. There have been so many topics that I'd like to cover on. And I know we will speak again and we will have you back because we do need to talk about treatment planning. We need to be talking about empowering the hygienist and where that all came about. Um, But I'd like to come to a close now for the simple reason we will talk all night. Forever. Forever and ever. And it's going to get very late. We can't go into tomorrow morning. But... Karen, thank you so much for sharing what you've already shared with us uh, and the listeners on how you've approached the most, one of the most important topics about what we do, why we do what we do and how to really put so much stress on this and how to start for other Mm. colleagues and and, and into maybe changing what they're doing and to focus on purely oral hygiene, you know? Mm -hmm. Can I just say, regarding this point, what has been the biggest learning curve through establishing oral hygiene being one of the most important parts of your treatment planning? What has been the biggest learning curve in your process of establishing this? I think... It's, I think it's hard for, because it's healthcare, I think sometimes it's hard to um, understand why we have to charge for these things. And I think that's been a big learning curve for me. And in our practice, we charge a lot. Our, our fees are really, really high. Um, so I'm always making sure that I, I give everything because I have to, because the patient's paying for it. But at the same time, there's that part of me that's thinking, oh, this just really isn't fair. This should be something that people should know, you know, without having had to pay for this. It's like basic stuff, really. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's, been the, that's been the hard. That's been the bit that I've struggled with is sometimes having to charge, well, 
having to put a fee through for patients when I've, I've only done oral hygiene instruction. And I can understand where how that could be a struggle for other hygienists. I completely understand. Um, so if anyone is having an issue with that or finding it difficult or their clinicians are finding it difficult, then stick with it. Talk to me. I will listen. I will help because it is so important. And but because we know the value and the evidence behind mm. it, then they get it eventually. And they do. This they is do. going to be the best money spent, really, because exactly. it's going to stay with them. Mm-hmm. And it saves them money in the long run. <laughs> exactly. Now, just before we close, I'm going to come to the last few questions, which is oh. our small revolution fire round. Oh, God. What has been the most memorable moment in your career to date? Um, there's been a lot, but I think just recently, um, I had my, um, paper, um, published, um, about the effects of oral hygiene and implant patients. So, um, that was amazing. That was a big achievement. Well done, you. <laughs> Thank you. If you had a magic wand, what would you change in our profession for the future? Um, I would have everyone working and having plenty of time to treat the patients and lots of time for OH. Just everything I've been talking about, that would be what I would change. What's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you in dentistry? Oh, God. I fell off my chair once with a patient. The patient was in the chair and I went to, I was talking to her and I went to go back to sit on my stool and it rolled away from me and I landed on the floor, banged my coccyx. My nurse fell about laughing hysterically. The patient was such a nervous lady that she just looked at me. She couldn't, she couldn't, she had no words at all. And because my nurse was laughing so much, I started laughing. I was crying and I had to get up and continue with the appointment. So always, me, like nothing's happened. Reach back for your stool before you try and put your bum on it. <laughs> oh, thanks for sharing that. That's all right. <laughs> What's your mantra? Um, my mantra. Oh my goodness, I have quite a few mantras actually, and I, I share them with the patients. Usually, it's something stupid like, "Oh, I, I really can't remember." Something like with teeth and floss and teeth and teepees. Yeah, I think um, do your best. Do your best always, definitely. Do your best. Just lastly, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, are you happy for them to email me and I'll put them in contact with you? If you want to email info at smile-revolution.net, I will then forward any emails on to Karen and she will be in contact with you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Karen. If you are interested in reading Karen's recent research, the paper is entitled risk assessments and smart targets in oral hygiene, a retrospective analysis of a dental hygienist led implant maintenance program. And it was published in the annual clinical journal of dental health in 2019. The details can be found in the written description of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, I'm sure you will love our next guest. So click on subscribe to be the first to hear it.
If you were inspired by the podcast today and you wish to launch an oral health promotional campaign or project, please let us know at Smile Revolution. As we are here for you leading dental professionals as your creative agency dedicated to making it success of every oral health promotional campaign and project. Book your free consultation today. Please email info at smile-revolution.net.